You're listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast, a weekly show of our Sunday sermons that give you a way to connect with God, grow in faith, and find wholeness. Thanks for joining us. Here's the message. At the beginning of the onset of the economic shutdowns and the stay-at-home orders, and especially now over the last few weeks, as states and communities have thought about reopening the economy, there's been a small but vocal minority of folks suggesting that we be willing to sacrifice some for the sake of the greater whole. Amongst other things, politicians and political talking heads have suggested that older Americans should be willing to sacrifice themselves for the sake of the economy. Let me be clear that while I do understand why many people have a desire to get things going again and for a loosening of restrictions because of their very real need to provide an income for their family, it has been startling to see this movement to essentially force people to go back to work even if it's safe to do so. But if we're honest, it, it's emblematic of what we've seen since the beginning of this crisis, since the beginning of this outbreak. Essential workers, such as grocery store clerks, delivery drivers, and warehouse workers, required to go to work without adequate personal protective equipment, or PPE. In short, it demonstrates how willing we are as a society to literally sacrifice some people for the sake of the many. For instance, after news broke of a spike in COVID cases in meatpacking plants across the nation, seven deaths so far in one Colorado plant alone, that our government moved not to advocate for safer working conditions for meatpacking workers, but rather to require meat packing plants to stay open. In New York City, a subway driver wrote an op-ed for the New York Times stating that the conditions created by the pandemic drive home the fact that we are essential workers, that we essential workers are not essential, we are sacrificial. Ms. Gittla's words speak to a trend that I've noticed since the beginning of this outbreak. All this glorification of grocery store clerks, warehouse workers, and delivery drivers as heroes really only serves to make us feel better about their sacrifice of health and life. After all, that's what we expect of heroes. Only these sacrificial heroes have largely done so unwillingly, lacking adequate pay or protective equipment called for in these kind of circumstances. But this willingness to sacrifice some for the sake of the many has been around as long as America has existed as a nation. For centuries, it's been the same way. Someone always has to pay the price. From slavery to Jim Crow to the genocidal treatment of Native Americans, 
Our nation has long operated under the premise that it's necessary and even right to sacrifice some in order to take care of the many. Perhaps now the only difference between now and then is rather than dehumanizing or demonizing our victims, we are glorifying them before leading them to the slaughter. The centrality of sacrifice, the demanding of victims, is so prevalent in the history and culture of America because it's so prevalent in the recent history and culture of Christianity. If you spend any length of time in church like me, you are probably taught to that God sent Jesus to die on the cross as an atonement or a compensation for our sins, for the sins of humanity. Basically, someone had to pay the price, and that person was Jesus. And while I'm not intending at all to diminish or to devalue the death, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus, it is, it is the linchpin of Christianity. I do want to say, though, that I believe that it is widely misunderstood. And this misunderstanding leads to some really problematic outcomes. You see, when we think it, it works to sacrifice someone, someone else to solve our problem, then we keep doing it again and again and again. So we get into this endless cycle of com- continually needing to sacrifice someone to, in order to protect, to protect the many. And to make matters worse, since people generally don't like to be unnecessarily punished or killed, the victims of our scapegoating, it's what it is, scapegoating, are almost always the marginalized, the outsiders, and the innocent. And again, where this gets back and it ties into Christianity is that rather than Christ's death being the decisive event for humanity, which it is, Rather than being that, it it serves as like a functional prototype for how we should behave. Whenever there's wrongdoing, whenever there's danger, whenever there is risk, we can simply sacrifice some for the sake of the many. We can sacrifice the marginalized, the outsiders, the innocent, just as Jesus was believing it will fix things. But here's the thing. Violence only begets more violence. Literally, in the Old Testament, the eye for an eye reference you probably heard of and read of wasn't meant to justify violence. Rather, it was meant to put a limit on violence. In those days, if someone killed your brother, you could literally go and kill their entire family and it would be justified. It was meant to put a limit on violence. Because violence only begets more violence. And when we find ourselves, and when we do that, we find ourselves in this unending cycle of violence and destruction. But beyond that, the futility and uselessness of this model, it just doesn't, does not bring real and lasting progress. And if I can say this, it's also just not biblical. 
If we think back to the many stories in the Bible, we do not find innocent victims sacrificed for the greater good. Rather, we see such actions to be empty and ineffectual. If you remember back in the book of Genesis, the story of Abraham and his son Isaac. Initially, God suggested Abraham suggest his only son Isaac. But then, if you remember, God intervenes at the last minute to stop the killing. Why did God have Abraham go through the motions other than to show the ridiculousness of the idea that a child would be sacrificed for good in the first place? Like, what's the purpose other than just to show the ridiculousness of the entire process? That the death of an innocent victim could appease the gods is ludicrous. If you remember the story of Joseph, also in the book of Genesis, the brothers, his brothers, sold him into slavery because they deemed him to be the problem. The problem. But in Egypt, Joseph is eventually vindicated and leads the nation through a great famine, and then he is the one to eventually reunite his family. And of course, in the story of Jesus, where all the lies of scapegoating and sacrifice are laid bare for all to see. When Jesus was crucified and killed on the cross, he was the ultimate example, not as the, not as the redemptive value of sacrifice, but rather the ridiculousness of it all. So many people back then, so many people thought that they could kill him and it would solve everything. They were wrong. They were wrong, we could say for sure. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, verse 33, says, when they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him along with the other criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They drew lots as a way of dividing up his clothing. Then skipping down to verse 47 in Luke 23, one of the centurions, the Roman soldiers literally assigned with killing him, says in verse 47, when the centurion saw what had happened. He praised God, saying, it's really true, this man was righteous. But again, I go back to those words of Jesus. Father, forgive them, Jesus said on the cross. They do not know what they're doing. Look, when the Romans crucified and killed Jesus, Pilate, the Romans, the Jewish leaders, they tried to pin all the blame on Jesus. But far to their surprise, they would not have the final word, right? Jesus conquered the grave and in so doing declared, I'm innocent. I didn't deserve this. No one deserved this. What you did is wrong. Innocent people don't need to die for the sake of others. Others. 
In Jesus, we see a God who loves and welcomes all and is not willing that any should perish, the book of Romans says, not willing that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life. God is not willing to sacrifice any for the sake of the whole. Today, in our current time and place, we still have many a leader who believes that the right thing to do is to sacrifice the innocent for the sake of the many. In truth, they believe that innocent people need to die for the sake of others. And worst of all, many of these very people professing this way of thinking are themselves followers of Jesus. But as one theologian has said, to believe in the crucified Christ is to want no other victims. To depend on the blood of Jesus is to refuse to depend on the sacrificial blood of anyone else. It is to swear off scapegoats. And each and, I, each and every time we participate in communion, we're not celebrating Christ's sacrificial death. Each time we hear, do this in remembrance of me, we hear the implied contrast. Do this instead of offering new victims. Do this instead of sacrificing others. When we remember Jesus, when we understand him as the innocent victim of scapegoating, and, and, and rather understand him as God's example of radical love and inclusion in the flesh, it changes our entire way of looking at the world. No longer, no longer can we be content to stand idly by and watch innocent people suffer for the greater good. No longer can we accept keep, to keep allowing the marginalized, the weak, the outsiders to be victimized. Rather, in Jesus, we see this idea exposed for its very real evil and demonic nature, that peace and safety come by sacrificing others. It's evil and demonic. And when we begin to see that, it drastically changes the way we look at the world, demanding others go into work for the sake of the economy. It's not freedom. It's, it's evil. Forcing people to go about their business without personal protective equipment isn't, is not patriotic, it's demonic. Asking the elderly to sacrifice themselves for financial growth is not noble, it's corrupt. In Jesus, in Jesus, God showed once and for all the vile and ridiculous nature of scapegoating and sacrifice. We today, in our current time and place, we can follow the way of Jesus and continue on the path paved by Jesus and his disciples, not by demanding that others be willing to sacrifice themselves for our own good. Rather, we can follow the way of Jesus and his disciples by advocating for the weak the marginalized, the outsiders. 
We can follow the way of Jesus by ensuring fair pay and, and protective equipment for grocery store clerks. We can follow the way of Jesus by asking for safe working conditions for other essential workers. We can follow the way of Jesus by protecting the most vulnerable among us. Because as Jesus' death and crucifixion powerfully make clear, we are not saved by sacrifice. We are saved from the very idea, from the very idea that sacrifice is the answer. Thank you for listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast. You can watch our weekly services on Facebook Live every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And to learn more about joining a group or serving with us, visit our website at mgthornton.org.